Hi everybody. Uh, we're going to take a look at Latin America in uh, this lecture. This is chapter four in your textbook, so uh, um, we're going to cover some of the things that, uh, that uh, your textbook uh, discusses. So as I said, this chapter introduces uh, Latin America as a region, and we'll talk about several of the countries, or probably most of the countries in Latin America as well. Uh, you should understand that this uh, chapter emphasizes the various cultural influences of the region and the impacts of colonialism, immigration, as well as trade. Uh, emphasis is placed on one of the world's most distinctive physical features, the Amazon rainforest, and uh, discusses the environmental threats associated with this ecosystem. The impacts of globalization are revealed through the discussions on the economic disparities exhibited between and within countries of Latin America. Um, and so these are the learning objectives. Uh, we'll be uh, taking a look at and understanding the connections between population and environmental systems and resources, discuss the impacts, as I mentioned, about of uh, European colonization on the population and economy of the region. And uh, we'll take a look at the and examine the role of Latin America in the contemporary global economy. Key concepts introduced in this chapter include things such as deforestation, fair trade, altitudinal zonation, El Nino, urban primacy, megacity, rural to urban migration, land tenure and reform, remittances, transnationalism, the Colombian Exchange, Syncretic Religions, Treaty of Tordesay, Regional Trade Blocks, Indigenous Organizations, Maquiladores, Dependency Theory, as well as Neoliberalism. The modern states of Latin America are really very multi-ethnic with distinct indigenous and immigrant profiles. The states exhibit different rates of social and economic development. There are wide, uh, wide differences in aerial and population size among the countries in Latin America. Significant differences between the wealthy and the impoverished are also marked. As you can see, um, the concept of Latin America as a distinct region has been in existence for approximately a century. Uh, Latin America is bounded uh, by, by the Rio Grande uh, in the north, and this river is known as the Rio Bravo in Mexico. Uh, and the Tierra de Fuego in the south. The term Latin America was coined by French geographers to distinguish, to distinguish the Spanish and Portuguese-speaking republics of the region from the English-speaking territories. The only uh, connection uh, between Latin America and Latin is the presence of Romance languages. The term is widely used in part because it is so vague to be all-inclusive. Through colonialism, immigration, and trade, the forces of globalization are especially pronounced. Economic globalization is currently evidenced by the predominant, predominance of neoliberal policies that encourage foreign investment, export production, and privatization. Intra-regional trade has been encouraged by various trade associations and agreements. Despite growing industrialization and the promotion of export-oriented products, much of the region remains characterized by extractive industries. Lumber, natural gas, oil, and copper are significant resources. So as I mentioned, this is a multi-ethnic uh, area. We have, uh, obviously we have indigenous populations, we have immigrant populations, not only European immigrants 
from Spain and uh, Portugal, the Iberian Peninsula, but we also have uh, an influence of Africans in this region as well, particularly along the east coast here of Brazil, uh, where uh, plantations uh, existed during the colonial period, and uh, many millions of uh, slaves were brought into this area from Africa. And so you can see from this particular map, uh, countries of a variety of different sizes, Brazil obviously being the largest in here, a uh, variety of different landscapes, particularly with the Andes Mountains, the second highest mountain range in the world after the Himalayas, uh, tropical rainforest areas, desert areas uh, throughout the region, so a whole diversity of physical regions as well, uh, desert areas up in the uh, uh, up in uh, Central America, as well as tropical rainforests in some of the Central American countries as well, uh, particularly in places like Guatemala, El Salvador, and so forth. Uh, this is an area that is impacted by uh, plague tectonics and tectonic activity. So this area does experience earthquakes. Um, you can see some of the fault lines here, some of the plate boundaries. And so we've had some devastating earthquakes in places uh, in the Andes Mountains, in places like Ecuador, Peru, and so forth, as well up into Central America and Mexico, and so forth. So a very uh, diverse uh, landscape, um, both physically as well as culturally. Uh, so let's take a look at a little bit of a look at the environmental geography. This area is sometimes referred to as neotropical uh, in the fact that it's uh, uh, considered uh, to be new, the new tropics uh, relative to places like uh, Af Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, most of the region lies within the tropics, however, parts of Argentina and Chile lie south of the Tropic of Capricorn, while much of northern Mexico lies north of the Tropic of Cancer. Because of its vast size and relatively low population density, Latin America has not experienced the level of environmental degradation found in other tropical regions. Um, Trop, uh, deforestation, habitat loss, and the loss of biodiversity are significant, however, and they are growing uh, environmental problems. Um, the most significant natural resource challenge is to balance the economic benefits of the resource extraction with the ecological soundness of conservation. And so this is, a, this is in southern Venezuela, as you can see, a uh, very forested area and so forth. And as I mentioned, neotropical refers to uh, the tropical ecosystems of the New World, so to speak, or the Western Hemisphere. Uh, wood chips, uh, wood, obviously, lumber products and so forth are a very big resource in this area uh, because of the uh, uh, rainforest areas, not only in Brazil, but also up into Central America and so forth. So you can see this is a pile of wood chips that could be used for paper manufacturing and so forth. Um, and, uh, being, uh, being ready to be shipped to uh, wherever they'd be processed into uh, whatever their final product might be. So we're taking a look at the map here of some of the um, uh, environmental issues. Uh, and you can see we have our tropical forest areas. And then you can see we have areas uh, on the perimeter of the tropical rainforest that are subject to deforestation and also along some of the interior areas of the tropical uh, rainforest area. And then we also have deforestation to the western edge of the uh, of the Amazon forest, and then also in, up in some of the mountainous areas of uh, of Ecuador, and even into Venezuela, and then also in southern Mexico, particularly in the Yucatan Peninsula, uh, and then also in the southern part of Mexico, 
into Guatemala, El Salvador, and so forth, and some of the higher elevation forests of this, of this region. So this is a satellite image that shows the uh, Rodonia province in Brazil. Uh, the Rodonia province is uh, in the Amazon rainforest. And so the image on the left, uh, this, these are satellite images. So uh, the green indicates uh, live vegetation. So you can see uh, this is the 1975 image on the left. And then on the right is the 2001 image. And you know, the question I'm posing for you is, what has changed? Uh, between the two images. And this uh, satellite imagery is a very important tool uh, that geographers use to, uh, to help them identify landscape changes and environmental changes and, uh, and land cover change uh, in various parts of the world. So um, the, the answer to the question should be that you see a lot more um, of the rainforest has been removed in the right-hand image uh, compared to the left-hand image. And you can see how, um, if you think of this as kind of the main road coming into the tropical rainforest areas, and a similar road on, on the image on the left, you can see how that deforestation has occurred in these strips, essentially, off the main road. Sometimes these are referred to as feathering, uh, because if you think of the main road as the arrow, and then these are feathers on the, on the arrow, it, it does uh, give the appearance of an arrow with the, the feathering on it. So rural environmental issues obviously include declining forests and degraded farmlands. Forest destruction and biodiversity loss is a big problem. Deforestation is a significant environmental problem in the Amazon, as we saw, and the eastern lowlands of Central America, uh, as we also saw on the map. Some of the woodland areas, such as the Atlantic coastal forests of Brazil, the Pacific coast of Central, uh, Central America, and the evergreen rainforests of southern Chile are all experiencing uh, deforestation. The coniferous forests of northern Mexico have been especially hard hit uh, through deforestation. Deforestation has resulted in significant loss of biological diversity. Approximately 50% of the world's species are found within the rainforests of Latin America. Despite this biome accounting for only 6% of the world's landmass. So you can see how important uh, this uh, Amazon rainforest is as far as biological diversity is concerned. And it's, it becomes even more significant when you understand that uh, lots of our medicines are actually um, derived from some of this biological diversity that exists in the Amazon rainforest. Pharmaceutical companies actually use um, biological agents to create a variety of different vaccines and, and cures for illnesses and so forth. So it, it, it's really a significant problem, not just from the environmental standpoint of contributing to global warming, but it also is going to have significant human impacts as well. Deforestation in Latin America has resulted primarily from cut and burn agricultural practices and the cutting of forests to make room for cattle ranges or permanent settlements. With few exceptions, deforestation has not resulted from hardwood extraction for markets in this particular region of the world. Brazil has been widely criticized for its Amazon forest policies. During the past four decades, approximately 20% of the Brazilian Amazon has been deforested. Critics speak of an arc of deforestation, as we saw on the map, um, which is a swath of agricultural development and deforestation along the southern edge of the Amazon basin. So uh, think back to that um, map that we saw 
a few slides ago and that arc of deforestation uh, to the southern, at the southern per, uh, periphery of the uh, Amazon forest. Grassification is the conversion of tropical forest into pasture. And you can see uh, from this image, uh, that's really what we're talking about. Uh, this was a one-time tropical forest area and has now been converted into grassland to uh, feed cattle. This is particularly widespread in southern Mexico, Central uh, America, and the Brazilian Amazon. The pastures are used primarily for cattle ranching. Other suitable grasslands exist, such as the Llanos of Colombia and Venezuela and the Chaco of the uh, Chaco and Pampas of Argentina, uh, but uh, you know the world's demand for beef products has increased, uh, so now we ha also have to find other areas uh, to uh, raise cattle, and that's resulting in deforestation and grassification of this area. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, problems on uh, agricultural lands. The modernization of agriculture has produced other environmental problems, including an erosion of genetic diversity as new hybrid varieties of corn, beans, and potatoes have been introduced. The widespread use of chemical fertilizers and pesticides have contaminated uh, local water supplies. Farm workers have been directly exposed through mishandling of toxic agricultural chemicals. Soil erosion and fertility decline has occurred in many places uh, throughout this region. Uh, not only do we face, not only does this region face uh, rural or agricultural um, environmental challenges, but it also faces um, extreme environmental challenges in the cities uh, or urban environmental challenges. Latin American cities exhibit some of the worst environmental problems of the region. Uh, urban areas are troubled by air pollution, inadequate supplies of fresh water, garbage removal, illegal housing, or squatter settlements. Many of these cities have experienced very rapid rural to urban migration that has contributed to these problems. We sometimes refer to this as over-urbanization, uh, as so many people have moved into the cities uh, because of the lack of opportunities in rural areas. Uh, they've been pushed out of the rural areas and pushed to cities. Uh, that, and that the cities are growing so rapidly that they cannot provide the services that are required um, uh, to uh, support this very rapidly growing population. Um, the Valley of Mexico epitomizes, as you can see from this image, uh, uh, at the southern end of Mexico's central plateau, Mexico City, metropolitan area of 18 million people, is located in the valley. The region is beset with problems such as air quality, adequate water, and subsidence. Uh, that is, the city is actually sinking, um, which is caused by groundwater pollution. Uh, I'm sorry, not pollution, but depletion, uh, because they're pumping water out from underneath the city uh, to provide water for the, for the residents. Uh, the city is actually uh, beginning to sink, and that's causing all sorts of problems with buildings. Uh, the foundations of buildings are cracking. Uh, uh, pipes are cracking, the uh, water lines and sewage lines and other uh, infrastructure are also cracking as the city, as the city shrinks. Or sh not shrinks, the city is not shrinking, it's actually sinking, not shrinking. Okay. So, uh, and in many cases this is caused by human problems, but in, in the case of Mexico City, it's also a physical problem because Mexico City essentially sits in a bowl. It's surrounded by mountains on all four sides, and so the winds have a very difficult time coming in and blowing the pollution away. 
Um, so uh, continuing on looking at the topography of this region or the physical geography of the region, uh, we're going to take a look at the western mountains and the eastern shields. Geologically, the Atlantic side of South America is distinguished by large upland plateaus called shields. These shields uh, have historically been the site of the region's most extensive human settlements, uh, largely due to agriculture. The Andes Mountains uh, are a prominent physical feature of the region, stretching for nearly 5,000 miles from the northwestern Venezuela, from the northwestern part of Venezuela, to Tierra de Fuego, uh, in the very southern part of the region. The Andes are, the, are an active volcanic mountain range. In Colombia, the Andes divides into three different mountain ranges. Uh, the Altiplano is a treeless high plain of the Andes. It's located where the mountain ranges between uh, mountain ranges traverse Peru and Bolivia. Lake Titicaca and Lake Pupo are located in the Altiplano, as well as numerous mining sites. And so this is Lake Titicaca, which we would find in the Altiplano. Okay, and this is Patagonia, which is in the southern part of the region in um, in Argentina. And you can see some of the unique um, um, uh, life, um, animal life in this region, uh, the alpaca and, uh, and so forth. The shields are really large upland areas of exposed crystalline rock. The uplands of Mexico and um, and Central America. This region is the most important in terms of long-term settlement. The most, uh, most major cities of Mexico and Central America are located through the Mexican Plateau, as I mentioned before, and the volcanic axis of Central America. Vast deposits of silver, copper, and zinc are found throughout the Mexican Plateau. Um, so I, I want to go back to uh, taking a look at South America for a, a moment, and you can see uh, we have some uh, very important river basins uh, in this region. Um, we have, uh, for example, we have uh, the Amazon Basin, obviously, which is extremely important. And you can see the size in the various countries that it covers, and it covers quite a few different countries. Uh, the Amazon Basin is the world's largest river system by volume and area. It drains approximately 2.4 million square miles. It's the second longest river by length in the world. Uh, only the Nile River is longer, and the rainfall exceeds 60 inches throughout much of the area. It exhibits some seasonality and precipitation. Watershed uh, by eight different countries. Uh, the watershed is shared by eight different countries, and the basin is sparsely settled, uh, mainly because of the tropical rainforest uh, vegetation. Development of the basin is increasingly is increasing rapidly. Then we also have some the Plata Basin in the southern part of, or just to the south of the Amazon Basin. Uh, this is the region's second largest basin and includes the Parana, the Paraguay, and the Uruguay rivers. Uh, much of the Plata is economically productive through large-scale uh, mechanized agriculture. And then in the northern part we have the Orinoco River Basin. Uh, it's the third, third largest river basin in the region. Um, and it's dominated by tropical grasslands called the Lanyus that I mentioned before. It's sparsely settled, limited development aside from large cattle ranches, petroleum and, um, and petroleum production is significant. I'm sorry, I want to go back here now to uh, talk a little bit more about the um, uh, 
um, about the shields. South America has three major shields, the Brazilian shield, the Guiana shield, and, uh, and the Patagonian shield. Uh, the Brazilian shield covers much of Brazil from the Amazon basin in the northern and the north to the Plata basin in the south. It is Latin America's largest and most important region in terms of natural resources and settlement. Elevated basins throughout the shield offer mild climates and fertile soils uh, that are conducive to agriculture. The Piranha Plateau is located on the southern end of the Brazilian shield, as we saw in the previous uh, uh, on, the, on the previous slide where we looked at the Piranha uh, 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 Basin, uh, and it is an exceptionally productive area. The Patagonian Shield occupies the southern tip, um, and I pointed this uh, image out uh, earlier. Um, the southern tip of, of South America is sparsely settled and dominated by steppe vegetation, sheep raising, and offshore oil production are key economic activities. Okay, so we took a look at some of these shields. This is the Itaipu uh, Dam uh, in the southern part of, um, on, in the uh, La Plata Basin, okay, and provides uh, electricity for a large portion of, of the southern part of South America as well as Brazil. Now let's take a look at some of the climate patterns uh, in this region. The tropical climate with little variation in temperatures uh, dominates. A seasonality and precipitation is apparent. Um, so you'll have variation in the amount of rainfall that areas receive, more so uh, than you'll see a variation in temperatures. Temperatures remain relatively uh, stable throughout the entire year. The tropical humid climate uh, is uh, particularly in the rainforest areas, uh, particularly in the Amazon basin and some of the other areas uh, in Central America and along the coastal areas. Um, uh, as I said, it's in the lowlands, uh, especially east of the Andes, and it's dominated uh, obviously by the uh, tropical rainforest, but also uh, we have some savanna or forest areas. Uh, desert is found along the Pacific coast of the region, particularly in, uh, in uh, Peru uh, and Chile, uh, in, and also in Patagonia and in northern Mexico and the Baja of Brazil. So. Uh, in this area, and then of course up in this area as well. Uh, Mid-latitude uh, climate is found in Argentina and Uruguay, as well parts of Paraguay. Okay, so we're talking about down in this area and down in here as also. Okay, so um, obviously uh, this impacts the type of agriculture that we'll be talking about uh, probably in the next lecture. Um, but we'll, we'll mention a little bit about it now because we want to talk about something called altitudinal zonation. Altitudinal zonation, um, one of the things that we know, uh, that we should all know, is that temperatures decline with uh, increased elevation. And this contributes to distinct ecosystems at various elevations. And these distinct uh, ecosystems also result in uh, differences and variations in agricultural po uh, potential. Uh, zones include Tierra Caliente, or hot land, uh, down at near sea level. And then, of course, as we move up uh, from a sea level to about 3,000 feet, uh, these, the types of crops that are grown, we would find sugarcane, tropical fruits, in some cases livestock. Then as we move uh, up in elevation, we come into Tierra Templada, uh, which is temperate land, and that ranges from 3,000 to 6,000 feet. 
and this supports coffee, maize, warm weather vegetables, flowers, some types of flowers, and shorthorn cattle. Okay, and so that would be this area right in here, up to about 6,000 feet. Tierra Fria uh, would be the next zone that we would come across, uh, and Tierra Fria it, uh, is uh, cold land, and it ranges from 6,000 to 12,000 feet in elevation, and it supports crops such as wheat, barley, maize, tubers, which are essentially potatoes, uh, carrots, and things like that, sheep, yama, uh, alpaca, guinea pigs, and so forth. And then as we move even further up, we come into our Tierra Helada, or frozen land, and this ranges from 12,000 feet and higher, and really supports uh, uh, the only thing in the, in the lower elevations of this region would be um, potatoes and guanola. Okay, so this, uh, this is a really important factor and agricultural production in uh, different uh, areas of Latin America. And it really contributes to a diversification uh, in agricultural production throughout the region as well. Um, so I also want to talk about some of the different um, uh, uh, problems, um, particularly with climate. And uh, uh, one of the things that we talk about uh, in relation to this area is El Nino. El Nino refers to an oscillation of the ocean uh, atmosphere system in the tropical Pacific. Uh, normally, Pacific coastal waters along Ecuador and Purdue or Peru are dominated by cold ocean water currents. And it's actually extremely good for fishing, these cold water currents. So there's a lively uh, fishing industry along Peru, uh, along the coastal areas of Ecuador and Peru, and even into Chile. During an El Nino year, Warm currents arrive, and this significantly impacts and alters normal, normal weather patterns, causing floods in some places and droughts in others. And it also really has a, a negative impact on the fishing industry along the Pacific coast of South, South America. When we talk about Latin America and global warming, global warming has immediate and long-term implications for the region. In the short term, climate change will influence agricultural productivity, water availability, changes in ecosystems, and incidences of diseases. In the long term, impacts uh, are less clear, but climates will be altered by sea level rise, um, less of a concern in this region compared to other more vulnerable regions, such as the Caribbean or Oceania. Highland areas perhaps are the most vulnerable as they see, start to see climate change as well. And the uh, different types of crops will be able to be grown as, uh, as climate, climate change um, proceeds. So that's where I want to stop uh, for this uh, part of Latin America. When we come back uh, for the next uh, lecture uh, set, we'll be talking about the population settlement, population and settlement patterns in the region and also the uh, cultural geography of the region.